Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Z-Pack? It's your boy, Z-Dog MD, a.k.a. Dr. Zubin Nemanja. I have a very special guest today, Dr. Dave Ramsing, who is Associate Professor of Anesthesiology at Loma Linda University Medical Center, as well as Director of Perioperative Ultrasound there. Perioperative Ultrasound? What is that? And that's what we're talking about today. Dr. Dave, thanks for coming, brother. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you brought hella gear Yep. You that's brought what I do. Yep. a naked man <laughs> into my facility who is anatomically in mannequin. 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 Okay. As long as it, because I was feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But uh, as long as we're on the same page. So, so what? Tell me about this perioptic. So, ultrasound has been a thing forever and ever. Yep. The big, huge devices in the OB suite, right. and radiology, right. the, ra- the rad tech sonographers come up and do the thing. You wait for the radiologist to read it. It's it, a lot of times inconvenient because you know, time delays, the patients changing, acute events happen. Yeah, all that stuff. Right, right. But then in the emergency department, homies have been using a kind of a portable ultrasound for a while right. to do all kinds of damage. Right. Misdiagnosed tons of things, caused terrible <laughs> clinical decisions to be made, but also put in lines, uh, make sure there aren't pleural effusions, right. do other clinical. Done a lot of good too, right. Uh, yeah, tons of good. Yeah. But it hasn't really filtered to the perioperative space. So around surgery, anesthesia, why, why is that? You know, that's a, that's a great question. That's something that I've been passionate about for you know about the ten, last 10 years or so, about really trying to incorporate ultrasound into perioperative care, into bedside care, very similar to how emergency medicine and critical care is using it. The same way, you know, the acute events happen in the hospital in a variety of settings, right? Mm-hmm. We all know that patients in the ED can be short of breath, have chest pain. Well, those events can happen in the perioperative space too. They do happen, yeah. right? I am encountering those on a fairly frequent basis. So, so at that point, what, you pull out your stethoscope, right. someone's short exactly. of breath, they're right. desatting, the, the blood pressure's dropping. Yeah. So you pull out your stethoscope, which is 200 years old. Exactly, 200 years old technology, put it on the patient, pretend that I know how to use it or really <laughs> interpret how, how any of us really know how to use it, right? And the reality is I think we need to address that. We need to be aware of what that technology is, the limitations of it, and look and explore what other things and innovation have allowed us to use to replace it, perhaps. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say pretend how to use it, because I think the stethoscope is a badge of sort of uh, pomp and yeah. circumstance, healthcare, right. and right. I'm going to, it's a laying of hands, and that's all right. great. Right. But if you actually go into, okay, can I diagnose the murmur? Right. Can I figure out if there's a pleural effusion? Is there fluid in the abdomen? What's going on? Did I just cause a pneumothorax? Is the ET tube, the endotracheal tube, in the right place? Exactly, yes. All those questions, right? That uh, using a stethoscope has shown, research has shown that 
is not very accurate, right? We, it's essentially a flip of a coin in most yeah. of those situations of actually becoming to a better diagnosis than you just going with your gut, right? And so I think you know, a lot of the, one of the coin things we talked about for the perioperative area is getting out of the guessing game. We talk about the fact that using ultrasound helps us come to the diagnosis faster, more accurately, and get those therapies to the patient in a much more prompt and rapid manner. So Dr. Dave, first of all, just dive in. Teach us what is, what is this right, portable right. ultrasound thing? Well, yeah, so I mean, ultrasound now, right? In a lot of, in our minds, ultrasound is still kind of viewed by a lot of folks as this kind of cumbersome big device that you have to get a specialist to come into the room, takes up half the room to go in and do. The reality is that these things are changing, right? There's laptop systems that are available. Mm. There's ones that actually plug into your phone that you can mm. give you full imaging. And so just to show you quick things you can do to evaluate patients, there are exams that you can do to place the probe, just how you place for your stethoscope to look at the heart, for example. So we'll talk about this view here, placing it right to the sternum. Just remember if we talk about how we would look for things like aortic stenosis, right? You're trying to look for the idea of feeling that third or fourth rib space, and you're trying to look for that loud, holy systolic, is holy systolic? Or something? I, I, I call it holy because something. it's like a holy event when yeah, you hear it right, exactly. because we're pretty much faking it. It's totally faking, right? The stethoscope, so, yeah. Exactly. So now let's talk about how we can put ultrasound in a very similar position and now we're able to get a view of the heart, right? So there's the cross section of the Take heart right there. That. Wow. Left ventricle, we can see that it's squeezing right there. Yeah, that circle right there exactly and yeah. then the right ventricle right outside. And I'm just gonna flip this probe around the other direction and show you that in the long axis, right? And so now we're able to see left the ventricle. whole left ventricle right there. And there's the mitral left valve and left atrium, right? And mitral so, valve, yeah. Right, and just getting that piece of information is the heart squeezing or not right mm -hmm. we can look at that valve there's a mitral valve right there and you can see just on a 2d picture that it's opening up right there's a big <sighs> space between that that is how potentially point of care ultrasound could be useful right there exactly yeah so it's just opening up nicely we can see that if we put in the aortic valve here we can kind of just slide up our probe to be able to see more there's the aortic valve right there and we can see yep you can see that opening up very nicely. This is, again, how pointed care ultrasound is a useful technique. So rather than just trying to pretend via our stethoscope that, oh, okay, I think I hear, I don't hear, we can use ultrasound, sound waves, to produce an image to see pathology potentially at that bedside uh, setting uh, rather than just sort of guessing with ourselves. Oh, God, I love this so much. <laughs> I love this so much. Can I show, go back to the screen real quick for the muggles. Okay, this is amazing. Let's get a full uh, aortic, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, blood comes in, okay, to the left atrium here from the lungs, That's right. goes into the left ventricle, and this muscle squeezes it out, this aortic valve into the aorta, the biggest uh, artery in the body, and this is the flow of blood, and you can see it with these bounce sound waves like what a bat would use, it's absolutely tremendous. What is even more tremendous is the fact that you can teach us how to do this on an inanimate object with software that fakes it. Right, yeah, and that's, you know, technology again is it's really the advancement of technology just like with our smartphones now, you can do so much with these things. Medical technology is also coming the same way, right? But the problem is education, giving awareness to different providers about what exists and how to learn about it, I think really is some of the roadblocks that we're facing nowadays. Well, this is the thing. So your passion is educating people about ultrasound. You teach a course uh, conference that brings people together to learn about it, especially for perioperative space, which yep. is not classic. Breaking down these silos of education where, oh, the ER guys are doing it, the uh, radiologists are obviously doing it, the ICU guys are doing it. Right. Why would it not work for 
people yeah. in the OR when people are sick and, and, and so on. Exactly, and you, you hit the nail on the head in the sense that when people are sick, right, so hospitalists, internal medicine, family practice, if you're dealing with any situation where you're going to the bedside because the patient is ill yeah. and you have a question that you need to address, we can talk about how ultrasound could be helpful to improve your ability to assess that patient. Perioperative is, is the exact same thing. And the teaching part of this, so being able to teach residents, because when I was a resident, we couldn't, there was, we had to go to the body, and, and even then, they didn't have this portable stuff. Right. It was, it was tricky, so to put in lines, we had to use the force, yep. to hope we didn't drop along, all those other things. Now you can show me on Humberto. Virtually, yeah, that's right. Humberto, okay. Humberto, we because uh, we're uh, we're all inclusive here at Zero right. Industries. Yeah. We want to make sure. sure we have a good ethnic profile. Uh, Logan is Scottish. Tom is as white as white gets. You and I are Indian, so we need Humberto. Humberto. Humberto uh, can teach us a lot. Now, this particular device is this what you use in your conference as well? Yeah. So we yeah. have a lot of technology at our conference to be able to kind of, to your point about how we can educate uh, different levels of providers on how to use this. We have simulation. We have. Uh, true ultrasound device. We have real models that we invite to come and, and let all our uh, attendees practice. They get over six hours of hands-on because that's the key to this, right? Yeah. Just how you're learning how to use your stethoscope, you have to practice. You have to place it on the patient and assess that. And so same thing with ultrasound. Yeah, and this is really a way to to augment the stethoscope, which is an ancient ritual uh, type 200 thing. years old. 200 right. years old, yep. intuition-based, using yep. the force. Yep. It's kind of like a lightsaber. Like It only works if you have force powers. Yeah. Right. And my force powers are weak. Yeah, my, you know, mine are too, you know, and I don't know how, rather than spend another 15 years honing that in, right, why don't we just use some new technology to try to get there a little bit quicker? Cheating you are, Dr. Dave. Hmm? Well, well, you know. A cheater! <laughs> <laughs> if it don't you do the right thing for the patient, right? That's, that's what it thing. is really about. Yeah. It's about Humberto. That's right. It's about Humberto, actually making right. sure at the point of care you make decisions quickly. You're not foregoing regular formal scans, you're just right. saying, look, they're not here right now. Yep. It's post-op, he stopped, you know, he's short of breath, he's desaturating, his blood pressure's dropping, what's going on? I can look at the heart, I can look at the lungs, I can look exactly. at the... Exactly, yeah. yeah, and that's, that's, you're, that's exactly it, right? right? Those acute events happen in the moment. How are we gonna be able to assess that patient and to the best of our ability? But you noticed in anesthesia, because ER was using it, IC was using it, point of care ultrasound or POCUS. Right. They were using this stuff, but in anesthesia, it wasn't really a thing. And yet you're seeing all this acute stuff. What was, what's the holdup? Why is everything so siloed off? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of ways you can look at this in the sense of how we're brought up in our specialty training, right? We all go to medical school. We learn the basics of, of, of anatomy and physiology. And then we go down our specialty line. And then we really kind of judge ourselves and train ourselves by our own peers, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, my sort of a reward system is based on going to conferences of my own specialty, uh, you know, doing research in my own specialty, and we kind of just support each other and don't really break out into other specialties and see what else has happened. And so I think that's what's happened with point of care. It's been developed in these other acute care specialties, but because there's not a great way of communicating, right? There's not a great network of sharing information across different specialties. That's, I think, one of the reasons why there's been a delay in the adoption. But again, if you go back to the patient, right? Those events happen to the patient throughout the continuum of someone's hospital stay. Mm -hmm. the, these patients, again, are having short of breath, hypotensive, you know, very, all these different, full stomach, uh, inappropriate two position. I can go over situation after situation that are relevant for the ED space, the ICU space, and for the OR perioperative space as well. And so now we're trying to bring that back. And there's a group of us now for the past five years that have really tried to bring it into the perioperative space now. Um, but yeah, it, the silos of medical education and technology development is an issue that we need to kind of really approach. So come, come on in here, because one, yeah. one of the things I think 
that, and these nipples are hypnotic to me. Um, <laughs> one of the things I think that really interested me when you reached out about the work you're doing is that you are in the process of breaking these silos down. You're saying, you know what, we're gonna create a training protocol for anesthesiologists to use right. point of care ultrasound in the perioperative setting That's to help right. the surgeons and help the whole team figure out what's acutely going on with that patient instead of throwing a stethoscope on and effectively intuiting or guessing right. based on sound waves and subjective interpretation. Instead, we're gonna use sound waves and subjective interpretation in a more objective way That's the with way. ultrasound. Yes. Can you describe um, kind of in a, in a perioperative space, we have a lot of fans who are perioperative nurses, doctors, et cetera. What are the sort of things you can look at with point of care ultrasound? Which by the way, is just a probe on the skin with some gel. Exactly, you know, I think, well first to talk about the point you just said about really kind of addressing point of care ultrasound as its own entity, right? People, I think, a lot of time talk about ultrasound imaging as historically as it's been classified. A big machine required by a specialist to come in and interpret it. Point-of-care ultrasound is not that. Point-of-care ultrasound is the idea of just how you use your stethoscope at the bedside to help in those acute situations. Well, we're just talking about using another piece of technology, ultrasound, to put it on the patient at the bedside and come up with more information. So I think labeling it as something different is a key thing, and that truly is point-of-care. So it's interesting because when you think about disruptive technologies, Disruptive technology means you take a technology that normally was relegated to big, huge machines, expensive right. and high quality yep. with gatekeepers like radiologists, and you make them smaller, more convenient, less expensive, usually of lower quality. So in other words, your read of an ultrasound is never gonna be necessarily as good as a formal radiologist Absolutely. read. But it's right there at the point of care, helping exactly. you make a decision the way your stethoscope would. And that's the difference, because my wife gets really upset sure. about when, when, when like ER docs wanna use an ultrasound and make these high-level diagnoses like gallbladder stones, cholecystitis. It's very hard to do that accurately without yes. lots of training. Right. Now with the amount of training they get, you can do a lot of things using it as a replacement or an adjunct for your stethoscope. Exactly, yeah. adjunct is a perfect word for it. And you know, you speak a lot about this, about the scope of practice and us all being aware to that, right? And I think yeah. that's a key part with ultrasound is we have to keep it within our scope of practice. But if you again go back to the situation of these events are happening, right? And we're just trying to arm our tool belt to assess the patient and prepare for the management of the patient the best of our ability, mm -hmm. right? And ultrasound definitely has a place in that realm. Perfect example, I mean, I shouldn't be using ultrasound to look at septic joints because that's not in my scope of practice, right? And so, right. but if somebody is short of breath or complaining of chest pain or their blood pressure is tanking immediately after surgery, there are techniques with ultrasound that I can implement that will get me to a diagnose a lot faster when I don't have any other ability, there's no consultation, there's no ability to get that at the point of care, at the bedside, right? Yeah. Using ultrasound to really kind of address those questions, come to the diagnosis faster is where its utility lies. So Dr. Dave, Blood pressure's dropping perioperative, it's a cardiac case, there's not great heart sounds on the stethoscope, you're wondering what's going on, what could the ultrasound show us? Yeah, sure, so let's just do that example right now. So quickly, come Hang in there, Humberto, don't you die on me, Humberto! <laughs> don't you die! <laughs> so first, try to wait get, for get the situation. Get the CPR out of the way, all right. Okay, great, yeah. and then now, uh, so let's talk about it. We have that patient who's crumping right in front of you, you don't know, is it the heart, the lungs, what's going on? Quickly pl placing the probe in a position that, you know, again, with training, you learn to go with right off the bat. We have a picture of the heart here, and look, this is very different from the picture Ooh. we had before. There's a what's lot of fluid with this? all around. So for yep. the muggles, this is the pericardium. It's the area, or the sac that holds the heart, 
and it's not supposed to have this much stuff in it. Right, exactly. So, so what is that called? So those patients undergoing a tamponade because they have a large rapid collection of, free, of fluid there in the pericardium. Yeah. Uh, this large pericardial fusion is actually impinging the ability of blood flow to fill the heart. And so then, the whole thing is squeezed and unable to fill, right. and therefore you can't get stuff out. And this is a medical emergency that you have to treat right away. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you, you will lose this patient. And yes. this is something that is common in, mo in any acute situation. You will come across this from time to time. Don't you die on me, Humberto. I just met you, and I, I, I'm starting to get used to the lack of genitals and the strangely correct nipples. Nipples, um, yeah. So again, tamponade, a great yeah. example of life-saving stuff. Um, by the way, when we were in medical school, the way we remember tampon tamponade is we would think of it like we always pronounce it tamponade and we would remember like kool-aid and yeah. there's this commercial where the kool-aid guy would break through, through the wall right yeah, yeah, yeah. so we'd be like hey Tam and it was like his blood pressure's dropping and his pulses are weak what's going on he just had cardiac surgery hey tamponade and he would come to this big old heart oh yeah, yeah. That's how we remembered it. Um, it has no relevance to anybody other than us, but I just told yeah, that I story. remember that. And that's so, yeah, yeah. Don't you yeah. die on me, Humberto. How are you bringing this to the world in terms of educating people, especially in the perioperative space where it's not commonly used? Yeah, so you know, I've, I've taken on the initiative of through my department at Loma Linda University and, and affiliation with UCLA Medical Center. On we have a workshop that uh, we teach every year on trying to advocate for any acute care specialist, but particularly focused on perioperative, for them to come and learn on point of care ultrasound. We have a head-to-toe examination. Uh, we've coined for the foresight exam. Um, I have a websites that I've put all our content and podcasts on that, again, it's copyright free, it's open source to anybody source. Um, to, to access, look at, download, use it however they find uh, useful to them to, to kind of get some knowledge on it's the topic. free open access medical education, or FOMED, That's right. and the conference, and we'll put all the links to everything that Dr. Dave is doing, including this conference, which I think is gonna be awesome. If I were in the perioperative space, I'd probably go there. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not. I'm in the uh, medical parody space, which apparently doesn't use <laughs> I ultrasound. I could use ultrasound too. You, yeah, know, you, know, you, know, you, know. you know, there's lots to scan. <laughs> Speaking of medical parody scans, I think there's somebody in this very room who could use a scan of a lot of things yeah. because there's so much wrong with them. I'm thinking Tom <laughs> Heineber. What do you think, Tom Heineber? Let's do this. Are we going to scan this. taint, testicles? What are we doing? No. <laughs> None of that. Okay. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, that makes it really less interesting, yeah. doesn't it? But let's go ahead and do something like yeah. heart. Yeah, let's yeah. go quickly. Yeah, let's take a quick look. So there's the goo. Ooh. Gel, right? Now what's so the purpose of the gel, man? So the gel is allows, just like sound waves, right? You know, for you to be able to just think of like headphones, for it to get into your ear, mm. you have to have the ability of allowing those sound waves to go into the body. Mm. Gel allows that to penetrate through the skin because there's no air interface, right? Got it. The gotcha. whole problem is the air interface that prevents ultrasound to penetrate. Cool. Got it. All right. So. All right, what are we going to scan? I don't know. All right. Well, we'll, we'll take just start flexing because it's going to get real. Right. <laughs> I need to take off my shirt. Yeah. There's no time. Yeah. There's no time, guys. Oh! Let's do this. Oh! Let's do this. Normally, I don't recommend that for our face. <laughs> That's not a good way to start off the exam, just ripping off the shirt. But, uh, but sure, we can do, do that. You know, you know <laughs> I've seen many things in my life, but I've never seen the incredulous Hulk. Hulk. That's right. I, yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> He's a real American. But look at the look at those pecs. Glad I didn't push. Can you scan uh, through that much muscle? I uh, will find out. We'll find out. We'll crank <laughs> up the uh, you know the power here to see if we can. All right, All right. I'm ready All to right. scan. Let's All right, let's this. take a look. So we're just gonna place probe right here, sort of top of your belly right here in the mm -hmm. subxiphoid space. So, you know, the neat thing about uh, a lot of things with point of care is that we, it allows us to kind of do quick 
stratifications, right? Good heart, bad heart kind of things. And so one of the things, you see the left atrium, sort of the bottom of the right of the image there, bottom, keep going, moving your finger down right there, yeah. So that's the left atrium. And see how it looks very similar to the size of the aorta that you talked to, that you were pointing up right above it there mm. with the valve? That is a quick way to say, uh, uh, to show that the diameter is roughly the same. In heart failure, the first thing that you do when you get into more of the severe stages is your atrium starts to dilate. Mm. So from a point of care side of things, one of the quick things we can do is look at that size and say, and compare it to the aorta. If it's twice the size of the aorta, we know our patient has potentially uh, some heart failure and then we can do further diagnosis, further ultrasound to evaluate what the mechanisms of that heart failure is. But a quick stratifier, this is just one example of how point of care ultrasound, good heart, bad heart. Uh, Right away, size. real yeah. quick. This, yep. And here's your aortic valve, yeah? Right there, yep, there's the aortic so valve. So you can see if there's Opening massive up. flailing. Exactly, yep. Opening up, we can even put, we can put color here and see. Um, not the best view to look at color of the valves, but we can still put it here and just look to see if there's any sort of quick way. Do you want to know if you uh, have any? Uh, yeah. All right, so we can. Oh, we're going to find out right now. What do I got going on? Tom's life insurance Is my plans. ticker broken, Doc? Well, let's just say, uh, hmm. you seen the Tin Man? Yes. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you're putting color flow, getting an idea of how the, uh, the valves are opening and closing, seeing if there's any severe pathology. Again, with the idea of just quick point of care, mm -hmm. is there uh, uh, acute issues that potentially could cause, at that moment, uh, decompensation? Right. Dude, how viral would this be if I just had a heart attack like right now? <laughs> it would be amazing. You yeah, would amazing. see the stun, we'll be able to tell stun right now. myocardium. Yeah. yeah. So right there, there's sort of that circle that you see, that's the left ventricle and cross-section. So we're just looking to see how much it expands and, and contracts as a gross assessment of function, right? Is it moving? Is it squeezing well or not? And in the point of care, if your patient is having an MI, uh, grossly hypotensive, it's not subtle, right? Mm. Looking to see uh, gross decomposition in the heart failure situation is uh, very, very quick to pick up. Right, so you're not looking for these subtleties that you trained for years as a radiologist to pick right. up. You're right. looking for all, 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 exactly. it's not yeah. moving much. Heart doing yeah, this doing that. versus this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And his seems to be squeezing reasonably well yeah. Yeah. for someone who's a meth addict, a crack addict, that's true. and a chronic, chronic user. It's not addiction if you enjoy it. That, that's, yeah. been, and that's been discussed. <laughs> right, yeah. there's so many applications. Again, pointy care is really <laughs> meant for I love it. It's very hard to have a serious clinical discussion <laughs> with Goober Mc, McPatagonia over here. <laughs> show, show the ladies. This is just for the ladies now. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Heineber. So times are changing so much. It's exciting to see. Yes, it's exciting yeah. to see young doctors like yourself in academic institutions pushing this change. So many medical students and residents, when I round with them, they're like, I don't do the physical exam anymore. We don't have time. We're too busy clicking boxes. It doesn't work. I'm not good at right. it. No one trains me in it. But this ultrasound is actually bringing us back to the bedside. Exactly. It's actually laying hands on the patient. It's having you, an anesthesiologist, going and talking to the patient, putting the gel on, right. yeah. doing the probe. It makes it relevant again, right? Yeah. It makes us the, the need to go back to our patients and assess them because now we have useful information that we can glean from them that actually will help alter our and affect our management decisions is coming more to, of age because, again, this is the next stethoscope. Dave Ramsing, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm so glad you came down from Loma Linda. You have the conference, which we're gonna to link to, where people can train in perioperative ultrasound. That's right. You have the websites with all this free, just wealth of knowledge. Your goal is to bring it to the world and to transform the perioperative space, which I think is absolutely as health 3.0 as we can get. Dr. Dave, thank you. Man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pleasure. brother. Really appreciate it. We out!
Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, It just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.